Is we are rolling? Rolling! Da, 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 da. <laughs> I'll never get bored of that. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. If anybody knows what that song is, right, and they send it in, we'll send them something back. Yes. And not just a turd in the box. Name that song. Name, name, that name song. that Tim's been humming the last few episodes. Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Mass Movement Presents, sponsored by Engineer Records. To the left of me is my podcast partner in crime, the Dylan's my Dutch. <laughs> Dylan's your Dutch. Tim. That's so offensive. You ready to go, Tim? Ready oh, always. Always. Always ready. Thank you to everybody that downloaded the last episode. Remember, all our archive casts are available on Spotify, Popping, and Apple Music. So don't forget to go check all that stuff up. Some great content. Once again, we've taken a bullet for you lovely people by sampling some lovely beer, <laughs> watching some great TV, and listening to some awesome tunes, all in an effort to bring you another packed show. As uh, Peter Williams said one night when we went to a wrestling event, and yeah. his wife didn't let out of spending money. <laughs> oh, my life is crap. <laughs> As ever, we'll be deep diving another classic band, this time turning our attention to the mighty Sheer Terror. Oh, yes. And we'll be talking music and influences with no devotion, lost prophets, and most famously, prophets servants, guitarist Mike Lewis. Oh, gotta love Mike, man. Gotta love Mike, yeah. Dude rules. First of all, I'm mad as hell. Are you? And I'm not going to take it anymore. Tell me, because what has made you mad as hell? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Keyboard warriors, mate. Keyboard Warriors. Keyboard Warriors. Someone, someone says something mean to you, are they online? Uh, yeah, it's just, you put it perfectly when we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. People who can cash, what is it, people who... Yes, yeah, so it's people who let their mouths write checks that the rest of them can't cash. Yes. They yeah. just can't. That yeah. epitomises them. And it drives me nuts because I never put online where I wouldn't say to anybody. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's exactly how you kind of should go through life, I think, you know? Yeah. There's people, um... You know, they use casual racism uh, in, 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 in their everyday language. And you think, well, would you say that to that race person? No, you wouldn't. So just speak how you do in real life. But the point is, if somebody is willing to be casually racist online, yeah, and they they have the ability to use those words. I mean, I don't mean ability as in, you know, well, um, the ability to use those words. But if they don't feel self-conscious while using those words, if they are able to use those words. Yeah. Online, they're just as able to use them behind closed doors. So what yeah. they're pretending to be outside of that is not who they really are. Yeah, and that's what I tend to find with people in keyboard warriors. That's the person you, they really are. They're this sort of nasty, conniving little troll who jump up at anybody because they get a chance. So to... their true colours come out when they're yeah, yeah, when you're online. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. When there's nobody there to rein them back in. Yeah, and if you can't behave yourself in that situation, mm. then there's no hope for it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's 
you know, it's nothing to do with the size of a person or the you know the reputation of a person. Yeah. It's, it's they just they would never say those things to your face. But one of the and people, that me mental. Oh, one of the people I learned so much from was uh, Steve Britton, Britton was Earth. Oh right, yeah. And he is shout one, out Brit. Oh, always shout out Brit because he's one of one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. One on one. Yeah. And we were working a. I was working a record called Insurrection Rocks. This dreadful lady for three days dead. <laughs> and I'd have to explain to Steve why his record was delayed for months and months and yeah. months while the owner was off Galavant and being a dickhead and just basically I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. Things. Dirty perverted things. dirty perverted things behind closed <laughs> toilet doors. And um it reached boiling point because the server were going on tour. She went on tour like the next week. So uh there was a conference call with the boss and Steve was was phoning him. So Steve phoned through. And I was sat in the office, which mm. is like a room in this dude's house. Yeah. In the conservatory. And Steve phoned up when he wanted to speak about it. And the boss was whipping on at Steve. And I knew I was coming. And so he gives him all these excuses. And Steve just goes, My record's not there by Friday. I'm going to get in my little car. Come down there. Chop your head off and stab your family. And I just hung up. I... Now, the difference, the point I'm trying to make yeah. is that people would say that online yeah. and not believe it. Yeah. But Steve would say that to you That's and he true. absolutely would do yeah, it. Because right? yeah. that Thursday night, he pulled up at my house to stay over, you know, stay over and hang out yeah. in his little in his little car, his little blue fiesta, <laughs> right? hunched over the wheel driving down from there. And he went up the Dude's house the next day, and those records were ready. Two months after them being delayed, they were ready. They nice. were all there waiting for them to take away. That's and that's what I mean. You've got to have the courage, your convictions. You've got to see through. If you if you got the balls to say to somebody online or in a text or something like that, hmm. you've got to be able to say it to their face too. Otherwise, absolutely, it just, means it's, it's pointless. Life is absolutely pointless. If yeah. you don't say to somebody's face what you want to say to them, yeah, they it's what's the point of communicating yeah, with them? Exactly. If you're gonna to be two faced all the way through, if you're gonna be like. Well, I really like this thing like that. Yeah, you just, <laughs> it exactly. makes no sense. Exactly. To me, anyway. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, the vast majority of people seem like this, this which is why we've got Brexit. Oh, I'm not racist. But anybody says, I'm not racist, but it's just like, yeah. I've got no time for you. Yeah, exactly. No time for you whatsoever. Oh, you you know. have to quantify anything you say to me by adding a but. I'm not racist, but I'm not sexist, but I'm not homophobic, yeah. but any of that kind of stuff, you're out of my life. Oh, it's okay, because I've got black friends. Oh, that's the worst that's one. That's the other one, isn't it? That's the worst one. Yeah, yeah. So it's all right to say this, because I know somebody who's black. Yeah. Well, no, it's not okay to say that yeah. at any point. Yeah, exactly. It's not even okay. If you think that way, mm. that's one thing. Go and hang out with your Nazi chums, down yeah. the social club, but throw a couple <laughs> of arrows, <laughs> and drink yourself to death on cheap lager, innit? Drink yourself. Because if you're saying that, in, if you're saying that sort of that publicly, yeah, then what are you thinking and privately? Privately, yeah, yeah. them doing privately, you know, you know, yeah. It's like people say, "I don't look at pornography online." Liar, yeah, lies, absolute fibber. Yeah, <laughs> there's no way you don't look at pornography online. I'll just sneak a five minutes here. It's what you look at online that makes all the difference. <laughs> that, that's, that's the big the difference. That's defi- that's that's the defining thing for me. That's it's the what line. you look at. Yeah. yeah. Anything after 1986, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> okay, well, that's what makes me mad as hell, so we thought we'd have one well, for me. Well, pornography after 1986. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should do that one. You look after it, actually. 
actually. <laughs> that just makes me furious. I'm apoplectic and I see the vein in the side of my head start to bounce and bubble. <laughs> I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Okay, let's talk uh, one of our favourite subjects, uh, beer. Alcohol. Oh, beer, but... So beer, what, what's been on uh, on your menu this weekend, this week? I've been drinking one of my favourite types of beer again, which is Belgian Triples. Okay. And Belgian triples are amazing. Any particular brand or? At the moment, oh, I've had a couple of Victory Golden Monkeys, which is my favourite beer of all time. One okay. of them. Because Victory Golden Monkey was the. Went to Animal Kingdom about five years ago. Hmm. Last time. And so we wandered around Animal Kingdom for the day. And I'm not a big fan of water rides. Yeah. Right? So we went on the Carly River Rapids and I got soaked through. So I'm <laughs> drenched. So I'm doing my pissy mood thing and we've had the kind of. Animals <laughs> and stuff. And so they're like, well, we're going to go shopping. You go and sit over in that bar. And so it's in the middle of the, like, Africa in the Animal Kingdom. So you've got an African band playing music, which is superb. And it's right in my alley. So I'm sitting there and I'm grooving and getting on down. Yeah. So you know, I'm going to farm because I'm soaking right. I sit down at the bar. And there's a dude serving who's been, who everyone's calling Boston Bob, right? And they call him Boston Bob because obviously his name's Bob and he's from Boston. Okay. Right? Which kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's guess your nickname. What's the most obvious nickname we can give this chap? <laughs> so, anyway, so I sat down and I said, well, what beers have you got? So they had the usual on draft, but this is the bottle stuff. I've got um, Sweetwater uh, IPA and I've got Victory Golden Monkey. I'm like, oh, as in Tales of the Golden Monkey, I'm liking the sound of this beer. <laughs> I should have one of those, please. And this is just on the cusp, but I'm discovering the whole crap. Beer. Yeah, of course. So, um, he brings this beer across says you've got to be careful with this it's nine and a half percent oof and sorry and it's it's really smooth and you just this bells and triples don't taste like the nine and a half percent yeah and neither do quadruples which is ten eleven percent they don't yeah. taste that way they just taste really sweet sort of peppy with a little bit of heat afterwards that's the danger isn't it and if they taste so oh good uh, that strength yeah uh, you're going to be in trouble yeah, but you, you, when you drink them and you get drunk on bells and triples mm. it's not like being drunk yeah okay it's like uh, being on mushrooms. <laughs> so you sort of feel like, you know, like I have a Mr. Soul. Yeah. You're all spongy, like nothing works. So you're properly. not a bloated sort of no, you just feel like, mess. you just feel like you're floating on air, like, <laughs> like, like, a, like a Super Mario Nation marionette, you know, one of those yeah, Thunderbirds yeah. puppets. Yeah. You kind of walk like that, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> So it's really funny, but yeah, but I got a thing for like Belgian beers, but um, sort of Trappist and, and that kind of thing. And I just, oh, mate, you've got... I'll bring the couple down for us at one point. Yeah. And we just get hammered on them. And review them live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can put my finger on my mouth. Look at this. Well, I'm a, I'm a very uh, seasonal drinker, as in I'll drink all seasons. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm like, at the moment, we've had a lovely week here in South Wales, weather-wise. So I've been hitting uh, the Cali Pale Ales and Tiny Rebel. Just a... Uh, regular APA yeah but absolutely gorgeous like you know I recommend them to anyone to the perfect summer drink again they don't you don't get that bloated horrible feeling you yeah get. it's just a nice it's a nice light sort of summery beer I mean Tiny yeah. Rebel makes a fantastic cruise they really do oh they do they, 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 they knock it on the park all the time well you say that but there was one beer I'll never forgive them for what's that one what's by the power of Grayskull oh right yeah and it's uh, I never tried that oh mate it's years gone it's me and uh, it's Pickens and Mac Porch. Yeah. 
and a couple of us and we were in the coach and there's one of these beer festivals on and we thought oh we'll, we'll drink all this shit that's on the menu yeah. and then we'll finish off with what we finish off with by the power of Grace but they wouldn't serve it to you in full pint because it's strength they only serve it to you in oh right half pint. Wasn't okay yeah yeah and Matt Porsche was like it just tastes a nasty cough medicine I can't drink any of this <laughs> but it was an acquired taste well, okay. and it's literally I think got his name between two you buy the power of grace cup <laughs> <laughs> that was somebody's first reaction yeah <laughs> I mean their marshmallow porters are outstanding yeah and yeah. some of their they made Imperial Gozo which came with their mix pack yeah they did yeah oh yeah. my god that's so good yeah they're not on the park on the ring um, but what they should do is just send us a big box of beer and sponsor this podcast yeah you know, we're basically pulling their pants down and tickling their ball sacks every other week. <laughs> we are. So. I've been drinking uh, Dead Man's Finger rum as well. Dead Man's Finger. <laughs> Dead Man's Finger. That's <laughs> no, really good, actually. Oh, it's beautiful. Really yeah. smooth. Yeah, it's, it's really, um, really smooth. Yeah, we used to shop for before we started this podcast, and um, yeah, really smooth. It's again, it's one of those ones you can sort of drink on a summer's afternoon <laughs> whilst or, furloughed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're sat in the back garden with your trousers <laughs> running around because the neighbour looks over and that's the last thing you remember when yeah. the police turn up. Yeah. Then it's Monday again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, because we were talking about like drinking spirits. And I, you know, I, I like bourbon. As I said, but I was never a huge bourbon drinker until I met face-to-face, came, you know, smack-banging into Old Forester. Yeah. And that's just amazing. That is... That's a life-changing bourbon. It really is. It's so good. I'll have to try that. I've never tried I'm not a great bourbon guy, though, so Almost, like, it's 45 rather than 40. Okay. And it's just, it's really smooth, really sweet. Yeah. And it doesn't leave, sometimes, like, cheap bourbon will leave an aftertaste. I feel like you've got fur on the back of your tongue. Yeah. How do you drink yours? Is this straight one ice cube, that sort of thing? God, no. I'm not. A, I'm not that much of a hipster. I'm like, hey, hey, lady. It's from the bottle next to the shelf in the in the, the aisle of Tesco's. <laughs> Bourbon and ginger. I I sit there, clothes come off in the aisle in Tesco's. Out come the frozen peas, which I which I use <laughs> to make my new outfit, and then I drink the bourbon straight from the bottle. No, I, uh, bourbon and ginger. Bourbon and ginger. Okay, nice. Yeah, and it's really ju- that because it has a little sweetness to it, and it takes off a little bit of heat, but not too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I like my bourbon. bourbon Excellent. We had it in um, ice cream floats. So you got bourbon ice cream floats. Oh my goodness, they oh. are so good. They are so good. So you have like um, like a Coke ice cream float, but with... A shot of bourbon. Yeah, a couple of shots of bourbon in it. It's just... Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's the, that'd be the ticket challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hello, guys. This is Johnny from Astroturn, and you are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Okay, cool. So uh, you've been reading a new Captain America book. Right. Week. So I've been... Sort of captivated by Tanahisi Coates run on Captain America. This is the legend of Steve, yeah? Yeah, so this is the third part. So basically, um, so Coates comes, he was writing Black Panther phrases. And it's one of the greatest runs on Black Panther ever, in my opinion, because he is just, he has a gift for uh, social commentary. Okay. Writing, so he'll use his characters to sort of mirror um, the events in their lives to mirror what's happening in the real world. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and with his run on Captain America, you've seen Captain America. Because Captain America's come off the events of uh, Secret Empire, so he's not right. trusted by yeah. the American people anyway. And he's sort of fallen back in his position, but he's come up against an organisation called the Power Elite, who secretly control America. Mm-hmm. And he's been framed for the murder of General Ross, Thaddeus Ross. But, so Coates kind of takes Captain America back to a, being a street-level hero. Okay, yeah. So you can see through capsize the way... Um, society's disintegrating and how inequality pervades every aspect of American life. 
So but oh, it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Echo was what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Coates uses Cap hmm. as sort of a social mirror to point out the ills of the world. Nice. And used, it's this easy to conquer this stuff. Hmm. We can do it by going A, B, C. Yeah. And using Cap to do this. And it makes it to a fantastic book. And it doesn't hurt that Coates is an amazing writer. He's just one of those writers. When, when you pick up his stuff, you start reading, you just go, I never thought I'd see the world that way. You know, he, he's a, again, he's another one of these life-changing people. He will change your world perspective with his work. And he's, he's just so how many in the series at the moment? Is it the third this is like the third book. So it's where, no, hold on, 19 issues into the run. Okay. Um, but if you can't find the cat books, just anything by Tanahisi Coates, read it. Pick it up. Guarantee you it will change your life. Does he, he drop that social sort of commentary well, yeah, into everything he, he does? Well, yeah, into everything he does. He is just a wonderful writer. He's one of these, he is literally a life-changing author. You know, this guy will change your perspective forever. Is this the first time he's done stuff in, with Cap? Or? Yeah, this is his first one on Cap. Cause like, he was writing Black Panther before. Okay. So he's, he went from being a novelist then Going to comics, he was writing Black Panther. And he wrote Black Panther for ages. And he did a really, really good run on Black Panther. Because Black Panther went from being a really good character and a really good book to a must-read book and a character that is just like, wow. And did, he, did he take him as well? Yeah, yeah. And he, so anything he t- tends to touch, it's like an upward curve. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a steep angle on that upward curve. You just go, I'm, I'm getting on, I'm buckling in for this ride because it is incredible. So literally anything by Tennessee Coates, just read it. Because it wow. will just blow your mind. Check that out then. So that's yeah. the Legend of Steve is out now. Marvel.com, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere you can get comics. Better still, if you've got a local comic shop, please, for the love of God, go in there at the moment and buy something from them. Because those, those guys need all the yep. help they get, all the money they can get. So yeah, go to your local comic shop and buy it. Hi, this is Barney Veer from Night Farm Death. And through my many years of association, you're listening to Mass Movement. <clears throat> Let's have a track. What are we going to have, Christopher? You remember Heath from Stamping Ground? Oh, I remember Heath. I know Heath very well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got a new band. They're called he did. Divinity in Exile. This track features plays from Integrity in Cold Blood, Clevo Legend. Yeah. Uh, and it's great to see him back on uh, well, doing stuff. This is Heath's Clevo worship band. Yeah. It's what he always should have been doing because the dude is like, you know, yeah. he's Mr. Clevo UK. Although I, I liked both Stamping Ground versions mm. of With and Without Heath, but my favourite is With it. I think it's like, got the most better memories with when Heath was with him yeah I mean I, I was seeing him I must have been seeing him five or six times a year at that point it was just uh, for those that, for that couple of years 94 to 97 somewhere wherever it was I think the difference is Heath's a tradition there's a traditional hardcore frontman yeah Adam was more of a metal frontman yeah he was very much so yeah. yeah I mean Adam's a great frontman I like Adam oh yeah, yeah me too I yeah. respect the world from him he's, yeah. a, he's a really sweet guy yeah but Heath because you've got that sort of commonality in our background because we're from the same sort of scene I guess I can relate to Heath more as a frontman and lyrically Glasper's stuff because Glasper all the lyrics are stamped around anyway yeah. so all that stuff was darker in the beginning yeah yeah. Um, so yeah I, I just I just love the way Heath but you knew Heath was the Wolf Pack Northern Wolf Pack days. yeah sort of vaguely to both they come over to Liverpool sometimes yeah they, yeah so I, I sort of see him around and, and stuff and you know just a wave to basically mm, okay. you know like familiar familiar faces at shows and things yeah um, which shows my age and it shows Heath's age. <laughs> um, but yeah, Heath's a lovely guy and his, yeah. new, his new band are incredible. So just please go go to Bandcamp, check them out, buy the single. Definitely. Um, yeah. Check it out. This is Divinity in Exile. Clemo Worship. Called Gods of Darkness. Dinosaurs, the light fade, by your blood and blood. 
Okay, that was Divinity in Exile uh, with Gods of Darkness. Go get the seven inch now. It's out. Uh, it's a limited seven inch, so you need to be fast. Go to Facebook, Instagram, hit them up and get a copy in there. I hit them up on the Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah, Bandcamp. Yeah, they're on Bandcamp as well. So yeah, any of those. Buy straight away and say, Heath, have my money. Have yeah. my money, Heath. Give Heath some money. And he go, yeah, all right, I lost all the burritos, man. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Igor Cavalera from Pepric Cavalera Conspiracy. And you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Okay, so we've both been checking out uh, Umbrella Academy Season 2. Well, um, I, I smashed me- it in a day with, with Siobhan. I nice. sat down. And, uh, God, um, maybe on midday by the time we started. Satisfied with it? Oh, yeah, very. Uh, just that, uh, maybe we'll give a, we'll perhaps give a spoiler alert here. No, no spoiler alert. If you no spoilers? It, yeah. No. Okay, no spoilers. No, no, no there's going to be spoilers, but if you haven't watched it by now, tough titty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I am going to spoil it for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got to completely spoil it, so ruin it completely. <laughs> Go on, so what did you think? I loved it. Yeah, it was... I thought it was better than the first season. Uh, yeah, and the first season was phenomenal. The first um, season was quite one, but it was, this was better than the first season. It sort of, it just expands on the mythology of, the whole, of everything. Yeah. And in the final episode, which you haven't seen yet, no, I haven't. So I'm not going to spoil it. Okay, I'm not. But the monocle, the dude who formed the Umbrella Academy, but yeah, whoa, that's all I'm going to say. Just whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> <laughs> dead. whoa, dude, like whoa, yeah, just oh, okay. And the last ten minutes, maybe, fantastic. And the way they end it, set up for season three, is fantastic. Excellent. And there will be a season three. Oh, it's ba- yeah. yes, it's going to be season three. Oh, it's been confirmed already. I'm sure I read it somewhere. It's been confirmed already. I'm sure it has. Yeah, I would, I would imagine it has because yeah. it's like massive ratings and it's yeah. been a huge hit. And Jared Way is not going to say money. I'm not going to say no to money. <laughs> money. The thing is, see, I avoid the Umbrella Academy for ages. Like the cotton that the book itself. Because of the Jared Way connection. Because it's written by Jared yeah. Way and yeah. my chemical romance. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, because I was a punk rock snob and I'm above all this kind of foppery and emo sort of <laughs> darkness and oh woe is me I'm, I'm, I'm above and beyond all that I'm not doing that I see I, I, I got a, a soft spot for Mike Kim I, got to see, so I even call him Mike Kim because I'm that cool <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting here with me you, you are you're, you're about as cool as I am which is like not cool at all no I've, I've, I've always thought they're alright 
I've got a soft spot for some, for some crappy rock though. I have, um, no, everyone's got a soft spot for crappy rock. I yeah. just wouldn't, I know, I act, I actively avoided them. Okay. Because I saw a picture of them once and I said, no, 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 <laughs> that's not for me. Punk rock purist, you're not for me, thank you very much. I, I, I shall have nothing to do with you. <laughs> um, but then, you know, when I saw Umbrella Academy, it's sort of, oh, you dildo, this is what you've been missing out on. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you're... <laughs> holy and now has you know spoiled things for you yet again <laughs> and I listed my chemical romance now quite happily yeah and uh, I've read all the volumes of the Umbrella Academy up to, up to now and yeah I've got to say it's incredible it's he knows the stuff that he really knows yeah. stuff oh he is Mr. Comics in yeah. and he knows how to spin a great sort of pop centric yarn He's created great characters. No, absolutely. And I hate him and I want to stab him because yeah. like, I wish I'd, I'd created those characters first <laughs> and I wish I'd written those books. Um, um, I, I met him once uh, very, very quickly. Um, right. He was on, I went to see, I was with Lost Profits in Vegas. And uh, they, were, they were supporting. I, I was going to see Lost Profits in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, um, they were supporting at the time. And right. then uh, I saw Gerard uh, on the slots. He's, he's teeny tiny, teeny tiny Itty guy. bitty, is he? Itty bitty, teeny like tiny. Like Rollins. Henry Rollins is, is he? Itty bitty, yeah. Shut up. Yeah, well, I, I told you what, you know my Henry Rollins story, didn't you? I bumped into Henry Rollins. No, I bumped into Oh, so I bumped into Henry Rollins in Liverpool. Okay, this was when? Supporting, the Rollins band was supporting the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the Blood Sugar Sex Magic Tour. So, 192. So, 92, I want to say, yeah. 92. And I, first time I sort of bumped into Henry Rollins was there, and I bumped into him, and I just freaked out and I was like uh, uh, you're, you're Henry and he just turned on to me and he went yes yes I am and walked off <laughs> and it's just like apt <laughs> how appropriate yes yeah. and he's maybe 5'8 no way 5'7 five, 5'8 five, yeah yeah so he's quite a bit shorter than you than me and he's a lot shorter than you you ever been in the company of Danzig I know you've spoken to him Danzig's was very, very I, small, I, I saw Danzig <laughs> <laughs> you know you want me to tell this story didn't you <laughs> go on alright so uh, <laughs> that's a year <laughs> uh, 1991 I was in um, Los Angeles and I was strolling on the street with a friend of mine we were chatting and I saw across the street Glenn Danzig uh, in the company of two incredible, incredibly at the time beautiful women and I said oh, is Glenn, let's go speak to Glenn. He goes, no, 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 let's not go speak to Glenn. Mm-hmm. Glenn's about to go to, Glenn's about to go clubbing. How do you know Glenn's about to go clubbing? Because I know which club Glenn's going to. Oh, what's, and he walked in this club called Samar Samand. Samar Samand. Yeah. Right. Okay. With his two beautiful girls, and that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> and Glenn is shorter than you think he is. That's all i got to say about yeah. that. That's, that's all, yeah, that's all I can say about that. With legal disclaimers flying out left, right and centre. How do we get from Umbrella Academy? To Glenn <laughs> sexual peccadillos. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's just, that's just that's probably where we go. But anyway, back to the umbrella. Umbrella Academy. It's awesome. Yeah, you should check it out. It's on. Well, I just I just love the idea. That it completely messes about with time, and the more they mess about with time, the more they mess it up. Yeah. And even when they think they've got it right, they haven't got it right because yeah. it's you know multiversal theory. The small, the, right, the very Bradbury story, the distance on the cell, go back in time, steps on the butterfly, death, and changes in the yeah. future. So it's the smallest little change, no matter what you do, it's going to have a ripple effect, it's going to change the future entirely. 
So the very fact that they went back and they altered something in the past, no matter how long you, they, maybe they spoke to the wrong person, maybe they looked at the wrong book, maybe they went in the wrong shop, maybe they saw the wrong person, maybe somebody saw them. That has an exponential effect on the future, so therefore the future they go back to will never be the same as the one they left behind. Yeah, yeah. Which is essentially the story the Umbrella Academy is telling in season two. Beautiful. Check it out. Summed up in a nutshell. It's on Netflix. Go it's check on, it out. You also, uh, I haven't seen this also, but The Old Guard. Oh. It's Highlander. Shut. Do you know what? It's Highlander. That's what I wrote down. It is. It absolutely <laughs> is Highlander. I haven't seen but that. I was looking it up. I was like, it sounds it's like Hi- Highlander. Highlander for... It's a very 21st century version of Highlander. Okay. Right. Stars Charlize Theron. It's very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very fast. And it is just brilliant, brilliant. And just to watch women kicking so much ass and being at the centre of such a rich mythology or what's going to become a rich mythology is wonderful so what's the basic premise then? Um, so immortal Charlie Theron leads, leads a group of mercenaries who are essentially immortal they can't die okay. and throughout history they've been on the side of right so all they've done they've, every war they've fought and they've fought it for a reason mm-hmm. um, every battle they've fought and they've fought for a reason they have to have a reason to fight right, okay. and every battle they've had has had a ripple effect which has led to something good happening in the world and they've been tracked and there's somebody trying to find them and isolate them to find out what makes them immortal to use in medicine so he can paint it and right, have a curable yeah, yeah, yeah. money off it at the same time um, <clears throat> but it's just a great film it's really good it's written by Greg Rucker from beginning to end comic books Greg Rucker yeah 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 okay um, and it's one of those rare examples where he wrote the book the comic book yeah and people who bought the rights to it said, yeah, we want you to write it. And so he thought, oh, I'll just do a brief outline and some other screenwriter will take it. But the film you see at the end, the film you, we see, was written entirely by Greg Rucker. Right, okay. From beginning to end. So it's based on Greg Rucker's work. So he writes the book. He, and he, wrote, he wrote the book and he wrote the film entirely. And it's just It's just one of those films where you go, oh, holy shit. It's like um, Extraction. Oh, yeah, okay. Film. Like, yeah. This is... Charlize Theron's franchise if she wants to do it right it's that good I would put it up there with Extraction it's just tipping underneath Highlander for me but that's only because I grew up with Highlander Highlander was my of course yeah 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 um, but it has the potential to sort of go beyond to that. surpass it yeah yeah, yeah if they take it to a series mm. will it be as good as the Highlander series which I maintain is better than a series I enjoy the Highlander series yeah after season 2 because season 1's a bit flat and a bit sort of over dramatic and oh, whoa, 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 oh no yeah <laughs> now, all a bit Victorian melodrama and so yeah yeah, yeah. No, just forget it yeah um, but season two onwards Highland the series is fantastic which is all on Amazon Prime as well is it really it is ah okay um, so that's worth diving into it yes to um, dive into the old guard but the old guard, the old guard the old guard the old guard is brilliant then so after that go and check out Highlander yeah if yeah. you haven't seen Highlander watch your guard then watch Highlander and you go oh it's very similar yeah. thematically yeah Old Guards may be better in its execution in the way it tells a story. Yeah. It's more relatable, more understandable, and you feel more in touch with the characters. You can actually understand the characters, relate to the characters more. Yeah. Um, oh, there's an actor I've not seen in years. Who's that? Mr. Christophe Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Oh, why would you have to? Yeah, I've retired. I would have retired a long time ago. Yeah. I said, you go, it's like, why do you have a Frenchman doing a Scottish accent in Highland? He's like, uh, you, I am good. Goodbye. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> what was that other film we did? Um, the Prison. 
Futuristic prison. Oh, damn. Fortress. Fortress. Another one I enjoyed of his. Uh, he did Tarzan, Lord of Greystone. Yeah, he did, yeah, um, yeah. He did a good job, as I remember. Yeah, you know, he's, he wasn't a bad actor. It's mm. just he was very limited by his really, really thick accent, which he could never yeah. seem to shake. And it yeah. became like a trademark for him. Same with Sean Connery's Scottish accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah very Sean much so. Connery playing an Egyptian Spaniard. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, they did mess with accents in those shows. It's almost like it? the standout moment from Highlander is Clancy Brown as Kirby. Because the yeah. Kirby is just amazing. And there was, which brings us back to the Goldbergs. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Clancy Brown. Don't say Clancy Brown's in Goldbergs. Yeah, yeah, he makes guest appearances in a couple of episodes as the woodwork teacher. I love Clancy Brown. So there's this um, one episode where they're talking about the film Highlander. Yeah. I was forming a Highlander club. Yeah. And it's a rival club to it. So the teacher they've got as their sort of adult supervision to guide through these clubs is Clancy Brown. Okay. So they're talking about, well, maybe we can have two Highlander clubs. No, there can be only one. <laughs> I think it's like all this Highlander lines yeah, and he yeah. does it completely in character as the Kurgan there can be only one no and he's like, I just wanted to see a nun float past you nuns no sense yeah. of humour oh my god yeah, that's not my favourite line yeah, yeah. Like, forgive me father I am a worm <laughs> well he's just leave us another yeah. yeah. and all the safety pins all in his head yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god i got to revisit Highlander now oh. <laughs> It's such a good film. It made such a massive impact on me. Then. And, you know, it's because yeah. I'm not ashamed to say I'm a Queen fan. Because uh, when, when Queen do soundtracks to films, they make it, they were just phenomenal. Like the soundtrack yeah. of the Highlands. They movie. nailed it in there, yeah. Not as good as the soundtrack to Flash Gordon, which is just one of the greatest Spot soundtrack on. albums ever. Uh, it's up there with Conan the Barbarians soundtrack. Um, but Highlander comes maybe top 10 soundtracks. It's really, really good. Do you know the whole um, Rocky Three? Um, Queen no so do you know the Rocky 3 um, the main song is I the Tiger by right, Survivor yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so originally Sylvester Stallone wanted another one by to death by Queen oh okay but Queen won the lower it's still you know dumb, dumb, yeah. dumb very similar sort of so he sort of he almost commissioned Survivor <laughs> go make another one by to death make my another one by to death <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they ended up uh, doing I the Tiger and that was being on, ended up on Rocky Three, but he wanted originally another one by the best. Brian is probably kicking himself now. Oh, the money I could have made! <laughs> I could have saved so many more budgets. <laughs> okay, let's have another trap in, yeah. Yeah. This is a Bile Driver. Uh, they got a new album out this week. Uh, they're from Santa Rosa. They formed in '98, and they're so good, sort of New York hardcore sort of vibe. This song. This is from the album Constant Battle. This is Road Dog. Let's go. 
right then, so that was Piledriver with Road Dog. The album is Constant Battles, is out now on Engineer Records, that's this week. Woo! Woo! If you're looking for the best new bands punk and hardcore have to offer, look no further than Engineer Records, sponsors of Mass Movement Presents. You've been watching Howard on uh, Disney+. Yeah. Plus. Yeah, Don Hans sort of biographical documentary about Howard, Howard Ashman. Ashman. Yeah. So, so people who don't know who Howard Ashman is, um, you definitely know his music. He's a songwriter. He was a song lyricist, really famous song lyricist, brilliant song lyricist. Um, sort of rose to prominence in the New York theatre scene, late 70s, early 80s, early 80s. And the first thing everybody will know him for is Little Shop of Horrors. Classic. He, along with Alan Menken, yeah. wrote the music and the lyrics for Little Shop of Horrors. Well, he, he actually wrote the musical version of it. He adapted the Roger Corman film yeah. um, into the musical. This is his, uh, before Disney, obviously. This is yeah, this pre-Disney pre- pre- yeah, days. Yeah, pre-Disney. So it was a massive off-Broadway hit, and rightly so. And it's, it's one of my favourite musicals. As I was telling you, I've, I've seen it on stage four times. Does he dive into that? Because it's a Disney production, Yes, it? absolutely does. Oh, it, it does. It's, it's how it's full life. It's... it's, it's it's why it's called Howard. It's about Howard Ashman. Oh, excellent. Okay. It's just there's a Disney tie, so you can use yeah, of course. That and because Don Hahn knew him, because Don Hahn was a producer for uh, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Beast. Yeah, yeah. So um, he knew him pretty well, and obviously he's worked with Alan Menken a lot. And Alan Menken was, you know, Howard's best friend, or they became best friends through their working relationship. Okay. Um, and it is absolutely heartbreaking because you just can't help but think, what I would have given to have hung out with him for a couple yeah. of days and just well he died especially um, the time this company died 1991 uh, yeah. age related uh, illness wasn't it yeah, yeah. Um, so his life was really cut short he was quite young as well 39 yeah, 39 yeah. 40 years old um, and it's just tragic and mm. he was such a brilliant dude you know such yeah. a wonderful wonderful human being and you just you watch it you're just thinking oh, I would have loved to have just been spent yeah. a couple of hours in your company because you would have made my life infinitely better mm, yeah so we know him from like uh, he, he wrote Beauty and the Beast yeah he wrote he's the lyricist for Beauty and the Beast he wrote the lyrics for um, yeah I guess all the, the, yeah. the, the good songs yeah and he wrote all the stuff you know from Aladdin the songs you'll sing yeah. as soon as you think of your Prince Ali glorious yeah, yeah. he he wrote the lyrics for that okay so yeah he, he Aladdin was his pet project yeah it was Alan Menken and Howard Ashman who proposed Aladdin to Disney okay and it was their pet project, but obviously Howard passed before um, Aladdin went into production, but they used his songs in it. Right, I see, okay. Um, but it's just, yeah. And it's just, this has just hit Disney Plus this week now, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just been released out, and it's it's weird, because it's told with, a load of, with pictures of Howard all the way through his life. Okay. And film footage, all the film footage of Howard. And all the voices narrating his story are just voices. You know, you find out who they are because their names are on the screen. But they, it's it's Howard's story with Howard's pictures. It's it's you know, pictures of Howard all the way yeah, through. Yeah. What Howard did, and it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's the best one hundred minutes I've spent in front of the television in the last two months. Well, I suppose it's like it's obviously coming up to thirty years in a, in next year, isn't it? So yeah, I suppose yeah. that's what they've sort of thought about. Yeah, um, I, I guess. I mean, it was. Um, I said I love the documentary on Disney so I'd love to find out more about Disney more about the people yeah I really that's, that's the aspect of Disney Plus I'm enjoying most the documentary side of things and, and I don't like the films because I do I absolutely love the films oh yeah of but course yeah, yeah. Uh, but anything that, that takes me behind the curtain yeah I'm, I'm all over yeah, yeah. and just seeing this film and you know 
getting to learn a little bit more about this dude you just oh yeah it's heartbreaking oh. but you just want to spend time with it yeah 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 so yeah so yeah check that out that's Howard on Disney Plus, Disney Plus. Yeah, and yeah. I can't recommend that enough if you watch that and you don't shed a tear you're an even more heartless bastard than I <laughs> you cry yeah. I'm a pretty cynical dickhead at the best of times hi there this is H from Acid Rain and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast because you're a sensible clever smart individual on the other end of the spectrum, you've also been checking out Russian sci-fi horror. Yeah. Sputnik. Sputnik. I was asked to review Sputnik on Last Movement by the publicist. Because I like the look of it. And to be honest, it's like I said, you, you had me at Sputnik. Because the, the minute you mention the space Russian space program, Russia, or you yeah. mention those early space programs, I am, I am there. I'm in like thing. And it's, it's everything you think it was going to be. Yeah. It's a <clears throat> first contact film. Yeah. Where a couple of cosmonauts um, have their returning Soyuz module invaded by an external alien force okay. that becomes a parasite and lodges itself more of them. So it follows all those sort of Hollywood tropes and all yeah. the sort of B movie genre tropes and all the science fiction Hollywood horror tropes and yeah. pushes them all into this film and uses every single stereotype. All the characters are incredibly stereotypical, but it does them in a very, very Russian way. So it becomes yeah. something entirely new. Okay. And the best way to describe it is set in nineteen eighty three, so the whole thing is very Soviet. So it's yeah, yeah. very dark and very sort of depressing and very still behind cold. the iron curtain at that point. Yeah, and, it, and so it? everybody you know it's set in, in, in yeah Russian Kazakhstan at the time, Uzbekistan, and you just everything's militant and sort yeah. of sterilized. So nobody of. trusts each other because everybody knows that the state's working against them and everybody has their own agenda. Yeah, and it the best way to describe it is very, very, very Soviet very good okay but it's very dark it's very bleak it's very depressing and like most things in Russia everybody dies <laughs> well not everybody but you have to now you're going to want to say like, do they really all die Aha, I might be lying or am I not <laughs> lots of people die and um, yeah it's it's out, that's out this week actually it's on the 14th of August it comes out yeah so um, I'm not so sure VOD, when it's going to be VOD is it there's a video on demand yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so Definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Sputnik. But as long as you don't like your films dubbed, you'll be all right. Yeah. I hate dubbed films. I, I will always go for any foreign language film. It's got to be subtitled. Yeah, yeah. Because for sure, yeah. dubbed stuff just loses all sort of meaning. Yeah, um, yeah. It is, it's, it's cheap, ineffectual, yeah. and it just doesn't work. I agree fully, yeah. Uh, it's I mean, like watching all the old Kung Fu films then, the 70s and the early 80s, when yeah. you dubbed them over, <laughs> yeah. and they were just terrible. Yeah, you're right. And then you watch them again with the subtitles, you go, okay, I get it now, that's much better. Yeah. yeah. It's like trying to watch Jackie Chan without subtitles as a crime against humanity. <laughs> didn't translate very well, does it? It just doesn't sort of... No, I, I, they always choose the wrong voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, yeah. without fail. Yeah. You know, I, Jackie Chan has never struck me as being ah, chirpy, chirpy young American. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that's not. Yeah, so if if you like things a little bit darker and a little bit bleaker and a little bit, oh dear, I'm going to go sit in the bath and slip my wrists, then by all means, check out Sputnik. <laughs> because, you know, it is very dark and very bleak. Going back on uh, that documentaries, uh, on Amazon Prime, I watched um, Elstree 76. Do you which, like it? Yeah, so you've uh, previously reviewed this from Asmund yeah years, a couple of years ago yeah yeah. it's um, it's, it's so interesting it's just those uh, it's the story of the making of Star Wars and from the London Elstree Studios 
but it's from the perspective of the lesser known characters and actors. The extras. The extras, the extras yeah. and sort of minor. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, mainly, yeah. I mean, there's Dave Prowse is in it. Can you, mm. I'm not sure he can be an extra. I don't know because he's not really. I see, I never know how to regard Prowse in the sort of Star Wars yeah. mythology you know, and the lexicon that it stars because you think you played Vader. Yeah, the biggest, oh, yeah. baddest guy right. in then, movie history. But then they heard your voice, they went, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that, no, 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 this will not do. That's the greatest thing about this. <laughs> this documentary plays that footage. Do you know he's actually, uh, he's, he's in the Darth Vader suit and he's got that strong uh, West Country accent. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you go, George was right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely right, that will not do. Yeah. Sorry, Dave, I, you know, you could plug Dave Pass, but, you know, no. Uh, no. Yeah, phone James Earl Jones, we need him quick. Because <laughs> he goes, no, 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 no. But it's just interesting how, like, you know, the character, how, the, uh, how it went. I mean, Harrison Ford shot the star, mega stardom. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Fisher did to a lesser extent, and acting Mark Hamill. Um, they all have varying degrees of success. But then these other people, it's just, some of them become like Jeremy Bullock. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's made a, a living now from Comic Cons, and he's he's, he's Boba Fett, um, but he's made a living from Comic Cons just for the one because he played such an iconic character. It's what, crazy. It's like one I've always wondered, right, about Jeremy Bullock and Boba Fett. Yeah, is back in God, nineteen eighty. It must be nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty one. Yeah, um, there was a toy store in Port Hawkins, and Boba Fett was turning up at Hawkins okay to do like a promotional tour for The Empire Strikes Back yeah um, at the time the only way you could get the Boba Fett action figure back then was you know the old sort of Palatine Kenneth things yeah 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 where you cut the proof of thing off proof of purchase, card, yeah, yeah stick them onto a piece of paper and send them off for the £1.50 then you'd get your Boba Fett figure yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was the only way you get Boba Fett so this is the first time and it was a symbol fact. It's in the run-up to the release of Empire Strikes Back. So yes, it's nineteen eighty. Yeah. Um, and I've always wondered, was that Jeremy Bullock in that costume, or was it just an actor in a second-rate knockoff costume? Because well, well, in bit my bit head, Jeremy, yeah. what I remember, yeah. right, is it's, it's just oh, Boba Fett, and you know, <laughs> in the costume. But I'm acutely aware, having done a sort of similar role on Track Bay and dressed in one of those mascot costumes for a yeah. week like, that it could be anybody in that yeah, costume yeah, and yeah. it could be any costume so I can sort of think oh, did they have you do that in the run up to the film were you actually Boba Fett you know because I don't remember you speaking but I remember you being there so was it you was it not uh... it's not Jeremy Bullock's voice is it no it's not no uh, they didn't use his voice I can't remember they used I mean, the later ones now, it's been dubbed with uh, Tamira Morrison, doesn't yeah. it? To, to fall in line with the clone thing. Uh, but originally, I can't remember the fella's name. No. But just so many of those people made a, li- made a living from Comic-Cons now. People, you were in Star Wars. It doesn't matter where you were in Star Wars. To the fact you were in Star Wars. Do you know, do you know what I feel sorry for? You can go make a living from making signing your autograph. Dude, you play uh, Big Swatter's face. Dark Light. Exactly, yeah. Feel so sorry for him. What's that? Well, because he because he had all his footage cut. Oh yeah, yeah, all oh, right, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you hear Luke talking about Biggs at the beginning of the film, and then he meets him at the end of the film. So it sort of makes sense, mm. right? But there's like that whole ten minute scene, yeah, that's cut, which would have greatly expanded Biggs's character. Yeah. 
would this have propelled him down the road to start them and gone like okay well we kind of like this guy and he's kind of cool so we can put him into yeah. you know sort of B features and that kind of thing. would that have done it for him yes yeah, so did the best moments of his career end up on <laughs> oh, an editor's oh, floor no. and that's that's, that's yeah. the kind of thing you think well, when you see these things you go oh dude you know because I've, I've met him I've, I, had, I got his autograph Alright, and he's a very pleasant chap. Yeah. Um, completely overshadowed by the fact that it was the same day I met David Warner. Yeah. Okay. Um, and got a case off. Uh, got a kiss off. Um, what's his face? What's his face? Played Joe Grant, Katie. Oh, Katie well, Manning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I went up to meet Katie Manning, and I we were just talking, and then she said, uh, she, she said oh, I, "I review you. I've reviewed a lot of your audio dramas you've done." And she went, oh really, who are you? So I told her who I was, and she literally leaned over, gave me a big hug, gave me a kiss, and said, I love those reviews, you're awesome. Hey. And, she, and she's pulled up her phone, look, I've got them saved here. No way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. I, I, I had a kiss off Joe Grant. For your final. Oh, yeah, I was kind of like walking on. Yeah. <laughs> do my, do my Alan Jones thing, I'm walking through the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just really, I don't know if whether it's sad or if it gives them a chance to celebrate the part they played in yeah something so I love their fantastic. attitude as well when, they, when they're talking about it they said so we, we, were, we were called to the set and we turned up and we see uh, a guy walking past in like a white helmet and we're thinking oh Jesus what is this yeah. you know and they, none of them knew then they were going to be part of movie history they were, but they just like oh, it's a payday it's a payday it's a payday but it's the dude who, the stormtrooper clonks his head there, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But there's there's several stormtroopers now. Oh, they they all claim, that. You know, yeah. oh no, no, that was me. Yeah. But it's this guy in Elstree's 1976, isn't it? Yeah. I, I was, a few years ago, I worked in a, book, a bookstore. I was in uh, in charge of doing uh, appearances. Yeah. You know, getting all that sort of thing. And there was this fella, he was writing kids' books about uh, a, a spaceman hero type. And I was so I, um, I was like, okay, well, I'm interested in doing an event with you for the kids. I said, I looked, I said, how can we promote this? You know, I said, you know, what have you done? And he goes, oh, well, you know, I've written this, I've written that. He goes, oh, I've written Star Wars. <laughs> I went, sorry? <laughs> he went, his name's John Chapman. I, yeah. said, uh, I said, sorry, you've been in Star Wars? He said, yeah, I'm in one scene in Star Wars. Do you mean the, in the meeting room where they're all planning out to take out the Death Star. Yeah. He's uh, one of the X-Wing fighters. Um, X-Wing pilots. X-Wing pilots, rather. Um, I was like, oh my God, so that's it. I, thought I, did, I designed a poster, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> John, Star Wars, is John Chapman yeah. here, signing books here. <laughs> and we did a great event. <laughs> it's, just, it's a great film, and it's just, I think, the fact it gives people a chance to talk about something they're a part of, they're not actually yeah. recognised for, yeah, in yeah. the same way as the main stars were. And did they play as much of a part in its influence? Probably not. But they no. played some small part, so they exactly, deserve yeah. their place in its mythology. Yeah, and they le- and you know they've helped to grow the legend. Yeah, you know they stuck um, around. You know, and admittedly, doing conventions, so it's a pretty good living probably because yeah. you know X amount of signatures at twenty pound a pop is going to get you. A, well, you, I can't remember. There's one fellow on there saying, um, you know, I get a call from a promoter, and he'll say, he'll say to me, uh, "What are you doing a week Saturday?" And he'll say, "Well, nothing." You go, I'll give you £500 if you come and sit at a table all day and sign your autographs. I'll give you dinner. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> £500, is that? I'm there. Yeah, you know. And it's all expenses paid and you get to go there, you get to meet your fans and you get yeah. extras, you know. And, and it's, yeah, so it's, I like, to, I like I like films like that that look, take a sort of much deeper dive into um, the history of something like Star yeah. Wars and just show it. But these are the guys who 
we're in the background and we're yeah. working these things. It shows really a whole new power. level of Star Wars, L three seventy six. It shows you just we all know all the big stories about Star Wars, you know, the the stars, what they've done, but yeah. what about the little guys? And that's what this documentary nails. So check it out. L three seventy six is on Amazon Prime now. Right? It's yeah. really good. Yeah, it is really good, yeah. There's uh, things that are really good. Let's have another track. Uh, we played these last week. Um, they're so good, we're going to play them again. This, tired Radio? This is Tired Radio, yeah. Um, this song is out Did there this press week. Did their stuff too. What's that? Did their press stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the album Patterns. Uh, this is Send for a Hospital. Circle spinning around and I'm learning nothing 
Okay, it was good stuff. That was Tired Radio uh, with Send for a Hospital. That's on the album Patterns, which is out on Engineer Records now. Another good record that we've been spinning this week uh, is the NoFX Frank Turner album. Indeed. West Coast versus Wessex. Yes. Uh, it's interesting, interesting concepts. So they've done five tracks of each other's songs each. Yeah. I'm not a big Frank Turner guy. I'm not a big NoFX guy, if I'm honest with myself. I'm a, I'm a big NoFX guy. I yeah. really, really like NoFX. Um, am I a big Frank Turner guy? No. But I think they've, um, I think they've done each other proud. Yeah, I think Frank Turner's got better with age. Um, yeah. He's, politically, we vary very greatly because I think he's closer to sort of semi-right. Yeah. Centralist ground. Yeah. Um, I do not occupy the same territory as Frank. I am far more left. Yeah. Leaning. Um, but there's a whole host of stories. Is it a million dead? Million dead, yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, they, again, they passed me by. I kind of... Don't know them musically. Yeah. No stories about them. Yeah, strangely, me too, yeah. yeah. Because of Funeral for a Friend. Right. Who toured them. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's a whole yeah, yeah. thing that went on there, which I could tell the story, but I'm not going to do <laughs> So if you want to bribe me with beer and stuff, I will tell the story. Yeah. I hideously embarrass a member of Funeral for a Friend. Beer um, makes Tim's lips loose. Oh, yes. That sounds really rude, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm hideously embarrassed a member of Funeral for a Friend. Okay. His story, and possibly a member of Million Dead too. Right. But it will cost you, and I am not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna rat these people out for nothing, even though I owe the I owe these people nothing. <laughs> None of these people. They forgot about me. I forget about them. <laughs> I thought you did. Uh, I thought Frank did a good job with um, Perfect Government. Yeah, I kind of like his take on Bob, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some, some classics. I mean, like he did. Um, they did Thatcher, fuck the kids as well. Yeah, they did that of his, um, which again they've made their own. Kind of like a Scar version, I suppose. Scar-esque, if you like. So, from, like, SNM Airlines to Ribbed into the longest line, from that mm. point on, I am a big NoFX fan. Yeah. Um, they sort of lost me after so long and thanks for all the shoes for a bit. Okay. Um, but the last album, they... The Pocket Drop Pocket Drop, yeah, but Pocket Drop is before... That's pre... Yeah, yeah, the last yeah. album, God, what's it called? Is it H? Oh, the last yeah, the last time I really enjoyed. It's really really good. Yeah, and it's it just sounds like them coming back to the band. Yeah, um, and they released that single just before we got all into lockdown. I yeah. love you more than you hate me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is incredible. Yeah, that is just that's no effects doing no effects do better than anybody. They are sort of self-deprecating, blackly humorous. Yeah, punk rock that's got a really sad undercurrent and really melancholic message. Probably that bit of music. I, I, I sort of ignored Fat Wreck bands for the longest time during the 90s. That's um, a terrible mistake because Fat Wreck yeah. have always released some incredible music. Until around, around 98, 99 then I was like, do you know what, let's give it a chance. And then it was like, I like this. <laughs> yes, um, when we went, we seen No Effects in London, I think it was in Piccadilly. And we got up in the car and it was No Effects, it was Lagwagon, Snuff and No Effects. Wait, was this the um at the old um, Astoria? Okay, yeah, yeah. This is years and years ago. Oh, I love the Astoria and the Astoria too. Shit, this must be ninety six, maybe wow, yeah, okay. ninety six. So right in the peak of that. Yeah, so it was just as Fat Rap was starting to exploded. Fat Mike, yeah, well, Fat Mike was doing um, 
Fat Rack samples for two pound a pop on CD, and it was the yeah. first Fat Rack sample. That, yeah. was, that was in place for bikes, wasn't in the shops yet. So we fat music for fat people and yeah. all that. So yeah. we got up in the car, and um, I met Fat Nigel had driven. I said Fat Nigel, slightly rotund Nigel, now, <laughs> not no longer Fat Nigel. Um, had driven up, and there was me, Darren, and Midi and Nigel in the car. Yeah. And me and Nigel weren't smoke. We don't smoke weed, but Darren and Midi were in the back, toking away like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> so the car was just like a thick. Fucking cloud going yeah. on the motorway. <laughs> we'd smoke burn out of ever. Living well, um, Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, like, uh, as we going, as we head down the road, Darren says to us, How much further is to go? And maybe start singing, It's a long way to Piccadilly, it's a long way to. Oh, really stoned. Yeah. And uh, it was just one of those great nights when the bands were yeah. absolutely perfect. What was the line again? Sorry, no effects. Lagwagon snuffing no effects. Damn. So I've seen Snuff so many times, it's funny. So, so yeah. Snuff played TJs so many times. So I'm playing the full and grey album years and years and years ago. Good band Snuff, I like Snuff a lot. Um, you see, I've seen No Effects play TJ, so no TJs more times than I can remember. Yeah, they played there a few times, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm like Snuff playing TJs. TJs is just one of those clubs where first time Lagwag came over to yeah. saw so in TJs, right? And they supposed to come over with Face to Face. Right. Face to Face got stopped. Our customs because they didn't have the right paperwork. So the only band that was playing on that was Lagwagon. So okay. when we got to TJ's, it was like a pay on the door thing. Yeah. It was supposed to be like two, uh, three pound pay on the door. Yeah. See, just three pounds on the door to see Lagwagon and face to face. That's crazy. Right? Name, okay. Yeah. They dropped the price, the door price, because it was only Lagwagon. <laughs> we right? can't justify three pounds. So, sorry. No. <laughs> so no Lagwagon wouldn't do it. So they dropped the door price. The actual band Lagwagon dropped the door price themselves. Yeah. Oh, that was good. In fairness. They went on and they played every song they knew. Literally that night. So they played, because it was uh, just as Trash was out, so they played everything yeah. off Dirt and everything off Trash. Okay. And they played covers too. So we got, I got to see Lagwagon do Breaking the Law in TJ's. No way. Yeah. 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 And this is the classic line that was Sean Dewey and, and Derek Plourd on drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then talk afterwards, spent maybe an hour talking to Sean Dewey. Okay. The guitarist, pre-Chris pre Rest joining the band. Yeah, yeah. Sean Dewey, and they were just incredible. When if you, you know when you, when you, like I know a great band now, but back then they were just mentally good. Yeah, I mean they were close to RKL League, not quite in it. RKL is a band though. Oh man, killed just seen RKL. Yeah. The weird thing about RKL is that um, I got there's a mate of mine called Scooter Buell who runs Maltzoli Records, and I was talking to Scooter years and years and years and years ago, and he said. Um, because he was a massive RKL fan too and he put out a tribute DVD to yeah. us I would kill to interview Jason Sears yeah I said I can put you in touch with Jason I can put you in touch with Chris Rest mm -hmm. so I interviewed Chris Rest and I interviewed Jason I put the interview, massive interview together okay and the weird thing is I sort of became friendly with Jason Sears after that and we email each other every now and then and he, all of a sudden you wake up one morning there's a massive email in your inbox from Jason Sears about nothing and everything in particular yeah, yeah. just make you wet yourself laughing it's like Jason Sears has decided that this weekend he's going to tell you about his life <laughs> and it was just really funny um, and when he died that's the first time I remember someone I interviewed who'd had a massive impact who'd become a friend yeah. dying oh, and okay. it was just a kick in the cock and the only time I felt like that since was when Dave Brock even died yeah yeah because Dave became a friend as well uh, yeah you saw him a few times didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. and in character as well four or five times and he, you know, we'd email each other and stuff as well and talk yeah. that way 
and he was just really funny. Did you ever um, speak to Fat Mike? Have you ever interviewed him? No. Well, you'd be an interesting interview. I would love to interview mm. Fat Mike, yeah. but Fat Mike does very little press. Okay. And every time I've tried to speak to Fat Mike, it hasn't happened for one reason or another. I mean, I've interviewed like Brett Gurewitz and a couple of times and yeah. Jake Graffin and Jake Bentley and, all, and Most of Bad Religion, but I've never interviewed Fat Mike. I mean, Joey K from Lagwagon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the bands around Fat Mike I've interviewed, but I've never, but I've never interviewed Mike. I have to make that like a mass movement. I would, I would love to interview Mike. I, I, would, oh, mate, I would love to interview Mike. <laughs> you know, and just speak to him. So what are we saying about the split the, no, split album? Yeah. yeah, so back to No Effects and... I, I give it, it's know, thumbs up for me. Away and sort of back in. Back <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I, I give it a thumbs up, though. Yeah, yeah it's a good record. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a good it. record. I mean, is it going to be as good as the new No Effects album? No. No, not at all. No, no. That's going to be stupendous. I'd rather the original material, but, you know... Uh, as it goes, it, uh, it, little I, think, I honestly think No Effects have got their second wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever it was was plaguing them for years is mm. behind them. Yeah. They're not going through the motions anymore. They're actually back in, and they're just like, we can do this. People mm. love what we do, and we're good at what we do. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, and they are. They're the lag wagon. They're the closest things you'll ever see to RKL anymore, and that's yeah, that's something to be celebrated. If you're looking for the best new bands punk and hardcore have to offer. Look no further than Engineer Records, sponsors of Mass Movement Presents. Well, it's time for us to take our deep dive. Deep dive! Deep dive! Deep dive! And this episode, we're going to look at Sheer Terror. Greatest New York hardcore band ever. ever. <laughs> End of story. Yeah, they're fantastic. But <clears throat> well, the first time I heard them, I didn't like them. No? Yeah, because I, I got into them uh, later on. So, my introduction was um, Love Songs for the Unloved. You don't like that record? I like it now. But mm-hmm. at first, I knew about this band who were heavy, and then it was kind of like, all right, check them out. And it was like there was uh, the brass section, and there yeah. was the operatic vocals. And I'm like, no, I can't get above this. And I just thought that's all they had in their sort of... See, I love that aspect of Sheer Terror. I, I absolutely... Really? I, oh, mate. When Paul sings... No, I mean, Joe, Joe Coffee, see? I mean, he does yeah. all the same on Joe Coffee. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't dislike it. I, I've grown to love it, but I did go back and check out sort of Just Can't Hate Enough and I've been proud. I'm yeah. like, oh, yes. I mean, I love Paul being angry. Yeah. I, I really love Paul when he's angry. Yeah, yeah. But when Paul is allowed to just bear his soul, when Paul does that and he sings, that takes everything up another level. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just, because the Duke can sing. The Duke can wail with the best of them. I think I think at the time it was just like oh New York Hardband called Sheer Terror mm. like you know I check them out and then I hear that I'm like okay that, that, I need to readjust how I think about this now. <laughs> it's weird because I'm because the first time I heard them um, I was in Spillers I was flipping through all the new records they gave me yeah and there's this record called Where the Wild Things Are and yeah it's like the first record on Blackout yeah and um, it's like New York Hardband bands and there's, there's the only band on it I'd heard of at the time were the Gorilla Biscuits. And okay. I knew, you know, I got the Gorilla Biscuits EP, so I knew the Gorilla Biscuits. Right? Yeah. It was their cover of Sitting Around the Home was on there. Right. Oh, I'll, I'll get this and check it out and see all these other bands. So when this is this? Is it like 89, 88? 88, 89. Okay. And um, so I took it home and there were, the Gorilla Biscuits stuff is great on there, but there were two standout bands on that record. And one was Norman Bates and the Showerheads, who I interviewed much, much later on yeah, in yeah. the discography. Um, I did a song on there called Hell Minded. Right, yeah. And the other band Sheer Terror. And that was a holy shit moment. Hearing this band that's had more in common 
with the time I thought Motorhead and Celtic Frost than they did with the rest of the New York hardcore scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, they were very they that metal sound more than anybody right, at the time. Right, and it was just oh my goodness, this was incredible. It was yeah. just mind blowing. And like I remember phoning Ian Pickens because this was back in the time when you used to have like the hand, the house telephone and. <laughs> Like, you know, and the phone number was three. Pickens, two, and you know he's like dial. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, yeah. I phoned Pickens. I told him, and he's like, I've got this record where the wild things are, and there's this band on it called Sheer Terror. You've got to fucking hear this band because they are incredible. And he goes, Really, blah blah blah. I said, Yeah, yeah, come on. So he popped over on the weekend, heard that, and we both just sat there playing these two tracks, Couple Joe and what's the other one called? Over and over and over yeah. again, just going, Oh, this is just, oh. Yeah, yeah. And um, so there, then it's just Can't Hate Enough, and it's, you know, it's that. And then they do Love Songs Still Loved, yeah. which to me is was the pinnacle for Shirt at the time because it was just them moving up another stage. Yeah, yeah. And then they went and disappeared. Then yeah, they gone. really did. And it's just, <laughs> That's yeah. it, we're done. Yeah. So Paul goes off and does Joe Coffee, and you get like this sporadic interest. They talk about reforming and they did that DVD. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Born the Fists of God. Uh, it was on Thorpe, Thorpe or Ice Thorpe, Thorpe, Thorpe. Yeah, yeah. With the documentary. And the documentary is brilliant. It's just Paul cracking wise. And then they released that. Dead City did that compilation of Paul's stage intros. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, really, but go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really funny. I don't know. So they, they reformed and we went to Bristol to see him and it was like a yeah, was revelatory a experience. Yeah, it was yeah. just one of those nights that I just was blown away. Yeah. And I was talking to um, George Tab a while after this. And you know, we were talking about bands and he came, and I mentioned Sheer Terror and I much and he goes, I know Paul. Do you want to talk to Paul? Nice. And I was like, You you, you what? We've known each other. How many years have you been just dropping this on And me. you just tell me you know Paul now? <laughs> I said, Yeah, I know Paul really well. He's a friend. Do you want to speak to him? And I said, like, I would kill to talk to him. Yeah. And I was like, Let me reach out to him and see if he'll speak to you anyway. So this, was this prior to the gig or after? Oh, this is after the gig. The Bristol. This is after the gig. Yeah. So he goes, Let me reach out to Paul and see what he says. And uh, I got to send his phone number. And Paul emails me and says, This is my phone number. Give me, give me a ring. And I'd, I'd love to, you know, we'll have a chat. Yeah. And I phoned him up. And it was on a Sunday, and he was watching a New York Rangers game. <laughs> and the game was just finishing, so he says, "Give me five minutes because the, the game's finished." And he says, oh, what game? He said, "Oh, the Rangers are playing New York Rangers." So we started my life hockey, and so that's when we started, and we got on really, really well nice. to the point where we've since become friends, and I've interviewed him a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do I know Paul very well? No. Do I know Paul well enough to call him a friend? Yes, I do. Yeah, do yeah, I yeah. know Paul well enough to say? When he comes over next time, we'll go drinking. Yes, I do, and yeah. I'd love to go after that with Paul. Yeah, yeah. About because I still think he's one of the funniest human beings alive. Oh, yeah, he really is. You know? Yeah, he, without trying as well, it's just so yeah, it's effortless. He's yeah. just funny, and yeah. he's, but he's lovely with it. You yeah, know, when you people think Paul's one way, but he's not. He's completely different. He's just funny and warm. Yeah, I, I find and he's that. He's really sarcastic, and it's it's proper New York humor. Yeah. Well, when you went to that, that Bristol show, he came yeah. off stage and he, uh, me and a couple of boys were there, and he came out and had a drink with us, only a couple of shots, and he was he was just lovely, um, really chatty, um, just a really, and he's a, uh, don't give him credit for how sort of, uh, he doesn't get credit for how um, 
Um, he's formal and sort of friendly and down to earth. Yeah, yeah, but no, but he knows his shit as well about stuff. Like, yeah, you know, he's, there's, um, no, there's no bullshit in him, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a really sharp, intelligent bloke, and he writes some of the best lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will encapsulate in one song what somebody's been feeling for months and months or years. Yeah, yeah, years. yeah. So she stand out record for Shitara. Honestly, mm. love songs. Really? Yeah, okay. And the new record as well. Oh, the uh, new record. Yeah. Standing up for falling down. There's a standing record that is. And there's a song on there called Ain't All Right. Yeah. And that is just my mindset completely. Yeah. So if anybody just says, Oh, dude, you can't count that you know you know that kind of stuff, just just listen to this song. Yeah, yeah. Just watch the, the, That's right, that song. That's there. me. Yeah, yeah. That's me in a song. Paul captured I mean, it's Paul talking about a point in his life and yeah. a sort of way he acts, but that's me. 24-7 that's me if you, if you yeah. ain't alright that's me that's my mindset I always think like with uh, Sheer Terror yeah. their influence I think without Sheer Terror there would have been no Blood Blood no absolutely uh, there would have been no Blood Blood Life of Agony to a lesser extent because they sort of they paved the way for that those New York bands to go, me- to go metal they, they Carnivore did it yeah uh, Carnivore did it as well I'd um, say Carnivore more responsible for bands like yeah, like but they but they, they allowed New York hardcore to go metal, if you like, bring in those. Yeah, heavy, yeah, because their yeah. guitar is heavy. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but it's like Life of Agony. While that first album, River Runs Red, mm. shares some sort of lyrical commonality, maybe with Sheer Terror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, they don't. Yeah, um, and they start drifting away. Mm. Whereas Sheer Terror just maintain that balance all the way yeah. through. That's they're more. Human, I guess. A blood for blood, brought that, I think later on then brought that. Yeah, exactly, and that's that misery, that miserable sort of. That poor Barry, you don't get Rob Lind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And without Rob Lind, you don't get blood for because no matter what anybody says about the band, oh, it's Buddhist vocals and blah blah. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Blood for blood is all Rob Lind. It's yeah, all yeah, white trash, yeah. Rob. Yeah. And they're not everybody's cup of tea. They're yeah. my cup of tea. Yeah. All the way down the line, because again, can't relate to everything he says. And some. At some level, some of the songs I find a bit, uh, but most of the time, that misery and that sort of being left behind by the world and being sort of out of yeah. step of the world, that I get. Yeah, yeah. Because that's me entirely. Alan Blake, the guitarist. Yeah. Uh, he went on to form one of my one of the more underrated bands, I think, in in New York hardcore. It's uh, Dark Side NYC. But he, I, I don't really like those that mm. band. And uh, but he was allowed so that that he brought that metal sound and he took it the next stage with yeah with Dark Side. But um. But I think Paul was always sort of the punk rock aspect. Yeah, 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 terror, yeah, yeah. More so than any of the other, the rest of the guys. And he brought that's what punk made rock that's sensibilities that's to yeah. the band. And that's what made them. That's what made it click. That's what made yeah, it Yeah, that's what made them. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, so, you know, when you go to New York, because I was there in um, 92, and it, was, it wasn't as dangerous as it's been. It was near as dangerous as it's been in the 1980s, but there was still that sort of undercurrent of oh little world little bit ooh. Yeah, yeah and sheer terror captured that more so than any other band apart from one apart from underdog okay um, I always hear New York in that band all the way through okay so for me New York hardcore much as I love bands like Agnostic Front and Youth Today mm. um, on those other bands I if, when I think of she, New York hardcore the it's sheer terror yeah. and it's underdog all the way those okay. are two bands that epitomise it for me more so Sheer Terror because Sheer Terror are just mind-blowingly good so I'll give you a right I'll give you a left and I'll give you a kick to the fucking head 
Okay, cool. Well, we're going to talk to uh, Mike Lewis. Um, well, you're going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> About life influences, because he's a guy who I've known since, uh, got to be 1994. He was a hardcore kid. Yeah, I got a chance to speak to Mike of No Devotion, formerly Lost Prophets. About influences and growing up in the hardcore scene. And uh, here's what he had to say. Okay, so I'm with Mike Lewis, formerly of Lost Prophets, now of No Devotion, but more importantly, of Public Disturbance. <laughs> How are you doing, Mike? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Good. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I, you know what? I do that. I, one thing. One thing I forgot to mention. I'm down to talk about anything other than football. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. We we finally did it, mate. We finally did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Since but, I've uh, known yeah, you, we Liverpool's not done it. Everything's good. Crazy year, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Everything sounds. So I was working out. I've known you since like around '94. I was gonna say. Yeah, I think it was like those first. Uh, I think it was when Flashbind was doing those gigs. I think it was like when they were playing in Metro. Metro, like yeah. 94, 95, somewhere around there when, like, yeah, Flashbind were playing in, started playing in Cardiff. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I remember coming down with, with all the boys from Ponty for those, yeah. for those gigs. And then, uh, we met you and, like, uh, Stu and Sean and all the, uh, yeah. The Disco Assassins guys. And, yeah, man. You know, just from starting starting to go to those those uh, those Cardiff gigs around then. And by that time, we were both sort of pretty much on the same path, wouldn't we? Band wise, we were listening to sort of Madball, uh, Biohazard, that sort of thing, weren't we? Yeah. Well, I think like that's like every like hardcore kids entry, you know, points. I think at yeah. that point in time, right? Like, like if you were into. Before that, if you were into metal, or you were into like I don't I don't know whatever you were into at that point, because I remember like especially the Biohazard record. I yeah. think that was a, as like a metal kid who primarily listened to like thrash metal and death metal up until that point. Or you know, I think there was kind of like crossover bands at that. Like if you were into Pantera. And, and Metallica and all of that, then, you know, especially like the Pantera side of things, then you'd end up getting into like Biohazard, and then from there, it was like Sick of It All, yeah. and Madball, and then like, then, then from there, you'd end up discover, you know, from Madball, you'd find out about Agnostic Front, and yeah. Chromax, and all of that, and then, and then it was like a whole, like, that was like crossover band central then, around then, wasn't it? Like, Doggy yeah. Dog, and like, like Downset, and all of those other bands. Yeah, man. What were those? So before you got put on that path, as you said, you were like Biohazard kind of did it for you. You were primarily a thrash guy, yeah. But pretty much, yeah. And I think you know, I think everybody, or, or everybody who like I hang around with at that point in time, were like, I think it was 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 like Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, like all of those big mm. bands. But I think how I got into that stuff was through, um, I think when I was about 12, I think I discovered like, like the first kind of guitar bands that I was into was like Jesus Jones and EMF and like all of those bands. And then from there, it was like a natural progression into like Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then that was like into Faith No More. And then from Faith No More, you start discovering like this whole world of metal then. Yeah. And, and I remember, I always remember, man, uh, one of my friends lent me Anthrax Persistence of Time. And I remember 
walk in <laughs> walk into my, my local video shop and put in persistence of time on. Yeah. And thinking it was thinking it was too heavy. Like at that point in time, <laughs> I was just listening to like Face No More and you know that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember putting that on. I was like, man, this is like this is this is this is way too heavy. This is next then, level. Like, <laughs> two months later, I was listening to Sepultura arrive. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, it's so yeah. It was like thrash metal and that sort of thing until. Um, you know, I think Machine Head was like a big crossover band as well. They like, really were, yeah. After, like, yeah, like, like once you kind of got into that whole world, then, you know, it was like, you know, all of the, and basically every band that was on like that Dynamo 1995. Bill, um, yes. Yeah, Bill, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say there was a couple of seminal gigs around that time, around South Wales especially. I mean, we had Suicidal in Newport Centre, didn't we? Uh, oh, man, that's still one of still one of my all time favorite favorite gigs. Yeah, suicidal at Newport Centre. <laughs> like that one. When I think back to that, I mean, like Art of Rebellion tour, suicidal was you know not my favorite suicidal record, but like, but man, what a what a gig that was. Yeah, and it was like um like as you mentioned, Machine Head they supported Slayer in the same venue, didn't they? Uh, like a year or so later. I think all the Pantera gigs that were there as well. Of course. I remember, yeah. uh, go, I remember going to see uh, Pantera and Downset. I remember opening for Pantera. Yeah, man. And, uh, and uh, that was a big one. But like, um, uh, yeah, there was there was a bunch of Newport Centre. So many, so many good gigs there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So around this time as well, you had um, we haven't really talked about this, but you had a, a band I remember called I want to say Wolfster. Like, yeah, the high school mess around band, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a bunch of us. Like, yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. It was like <laughs> kind of like a free for all. We would just have like hang out over each other's houses and just write this ridiculous, these just ridiculous <laughs> songs. Gazy was like the, the. I think that was like Gazy's brainchild. Okay, I think. and it was just yeah. just like nuts. <laughs> I, I, I can't even. So this was, was this pre-Flashbind, like, yeah? This was pre-Flashbind. The other guys who were in Flashbind were like, uh, were doing that as well. And then I think we made a video. Right. It was, yeah, it was... I, I well, so there's, there's footage of Wolfster out there. Say what, mate? So there's footage out there of, of Wolfster. I think it is. Holy I think, hell. I think so. I think we made like a video at some point. I think we were all, man, we must have been... I think we were about 15 or 16, maybe, around yeah. that time when yeah. we were doing that. Just like, just arsing around. Yeah, it was, it was totally like, to, totally <laughs> insane. We recorded it on, on a, on like an old four track. It's pretty, uh. No way. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love, man, I wish, I wish I had a tape on it. Yeah. Like, but, uh, like, who knows. I've got a few things. I mean, I got the Aftermath video. I got a video of yeah. Aftermath that was Gazies, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, but uh, so okay, moving on to like a couple of years, then. so we sort of got into like the uh, the Victory Records bands. They were really important to us, weren't they? Um, and as we said prior to coming on, we you went to see the California Takeover recently, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Was man, when 
they, when they announced they were doing that, I, I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, after you kind of have that introductory into hardcore, you know, through through you know Biohazard and and uh, and Mapple, when you go down to like the next level, then it was all like the the victory bands and the revelation bands. Yeah. I feel like that's like your your next stop, right? Like yeah. whether it, whether it's like the more metallic stuff, like Earth Crisis and Snapcase and stuff like that, which was all big for like us guys, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then or whether it was like the older rev bands like Youth Youth Today and Judge and Yeah, Seamus Strengths and like that whole scene, you know. But I think the the first stop for us was definitely the like. The, the, almost like that, that first victory style compilation, like kind of sums it up. Yes, you know, like yeah. All of, the, all of the bands on on that, and and uh, I remember getting the first California takeover, and I remember getting that album and just thinking, man, this is like imagine being at this show. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it blew your mind. And then when they announced they were doing another one, I was like, man, I gotta gotta go to this. So was it as good as you? Was it as good as you? Easier, and we're like old hardcore kids as well. <laughs> we, we, we went, it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Was it as good as you remember? Was, you, was it as good as you were hoping it would be? You know, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually. I mean, I'd, I'd seen, um, I hadn't seen uh, Earth Crisis since, I'd seen Snapcase a, a bunch of times okay. over the years. Because I think, like, after... I, I feel like they became pretty big around that like progression through and learning like era, you know. Around yeah. that time, I feel like they they were pretty big and they were playing with like a, like a lot of kind of more mainstream bands. That's right. Yeah. So I'd seen those. I'd seen those quite a few times over the years, and same with Strife as well. Mm. I'd seen those a couple of times, but I hadn't seen. So it was Earth Crisis who I was the most like excited about seeing because I hadn't seen those. Since around like '97, I think we all drove up to. I think it was like an all day at Bradford Rio. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I think we all drove up to that, and it was. um, I think it was like all straight edge bands. Maybe I I can't remember. I think I think maybe Turmoil played. I don't know. I can't I can't remember. But um, I hadn't seen Earthquake since 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 around then. So I was actually really excited to see them. Yeah. And so I think it was like one of those, one of those shows where maybe, you know, they probably weren't as good as they were back in the day, but it was such a, like a nostalgia fest and it was so just like good to see those bands play and play those songs and stuff that it didn't really matter. It yeah. It was just, uh, just the whole vibe of it was, was pretty cool. Over the years, have you got to know those guys at all? Any of those guys at all? Or no, no, not really. Um, we kind of uh, we never really crossed paths with any of those bands. I remember we like Lost Prophets did a did a show at, at TJ's with Snapcase. Oh, of course, but yeah, that of course was it. like yeah. that was back in like ninety nine or early two thousand. I remember yeah. Johnny Phillips put it on, and yeah. then. Um, Randomly, we were playing a couple of years after that. We were playing a show in Germany, and a lot of these places in Germany that you play have like multiple venues all in like little compounds. And okay. I can't remember where this one was, but one night we were playing somewhere in Germany, and Strife was playing one of the other venues. 
Nice. And we got we went in there and we were kind of like chatting to some of those guys and stuff. But uh, yeah, I never really kind of got to got to know any of those bands. Another important um, label around those times, Tim and I were talking about this, was Fat Wreck. Now, I personally think I didn't really embrace them at the time. I was like, no, not heavy enough. Uh, where were you at that time with Fat Wreck Band? Um, yeah, you know, I think I dabbled a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, um, but never, never really got, got into it. It was, I think it was always more of, like, I would say Epitaph more for me than Fat Wreck. Okay. I think like like I like no, I like No FX and but like I like I like No FX but I don't know if I would ever I really I appreciated No FX. Yeah. I would listen to them every now and again, but I you know they weren't like one of they weren't one of like the, the big bands for me. Yeah. Whereas like you know I was more. Maybe because they were more like metal sounding. Like I would, I would put Pennywise on before I would listen to No Effects. Yeah, all day long. You know, I, yeah, and I think even like some of those other epitaph bands, like uh, like and Out Come the Wolves by Rancid was like a big a big record for me. Like I loved that. I loved that album when yeah. that came out. I think I was like, I think I must have been about sixteen when that record came out. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll still sp- I'll still put that on every now and again now. Like, still such a great record. But, um, yeah, the Fat Wreck bands, there was a bunch that I tried to listen to on Fat Wreck. And, I don't know, it just, like, like I tried Lagwagon, and it just never really, I, I don't know, it, it didn't really, I think I'd gone too, it, it was, like, too, too, too far into, like, hardcore at that point, where yeah. it was, like, those bands were more, more poppy around that time. That's what I, I think. Re- yeah. I always remember the nights in the in the Philly. Just about to say that to you, yeah, yeah. Jamie, like Jamie, uh, still call him Jamie Doug. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's like forever, but like, yeah, Jamie Allen would be DJing down there, and he'd play a lot of that stuff. You know, and we'd and we'd show up with a bunch of like hardcore records and trying to get him to play them, <laughs> put them on, or whatever. But but um, you know, he was like he'd play a lot of a lot of that fat rack stuff and and yeah, it just wasn't I don't know, it didn't it didn't like didn't resonate with me as much as like the hardcore bands did. Yeah. I mean this, the South Wales scene then was sort of um it was split a bit like that, wasn't it? You had the sort of the the fat rack influence with like Doug, um shooting goon bands like that, and you had like P D and Disco Assassins. You know, it was very uh split down the middle. But we all did come together for gigs, you know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we'd always go and hang out at the Philly, and they were all like, and I always think those old, when I see flyers now for those old shows at Bogies and, yeah. and anywhere else, man, those, those lineups were so, like, diverse. They really were, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You'd have, you'd, I like, you'd have, you know, some, like, metallic hardcore band playing with, like, shooting goon, like, like you were saying, and it would just be, like, it, it was just, it didn't, it wasn't like, okay, this is like a pop punk night, or this is like a, you know, a, 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 or a hardcore bands, or all metal bands, or whatever. Yeah. It was just, you know, who 
whoever was like available to play or whoever like was putting the show on would just have whoever, you know, whoever play. And I think that's what made those nights so good. You know what I mean? Because everyone would just show up to support whatever band was playing. Yeah. Like, and just everybody having, having a laugh and having a good time. And, and like, yeah, some of those, some of those, uh, bogeys shows kind of, I think were really like, as, uh, you know, as kind of, we were discovering like, uh, bands and, and like the scene and that whole thing, those bogey shows were really important, I think. They were, yeah. And as you say, they were some of them read that version. You'd have, you'd have Knuckledust, you'd have like Lockdown, you'd have uh, Lost Profits, who at that time was sort of a rap metal hybrid, you know, and you'd have like Shooting Goon. It was just so diverse. It was, it was a great time, man. in South Wales, like looking back, like, you know, at the time, I don't know, you, I don't, maybe you don't appreciate it for what it is at the time, yeah. you know, and, and, and I think we had such a good scene in South Wales in yeah. that, you know, around those years, probably from like 96 through to like 2000, Yeah, I think like those were, those were like such great years in South Wales between bogeys and CF1 and Philharmonic and Metros. And mm. like, well, they kind of stopped putting on shows in Metros, but like, did, yeah. and then Bogies ended up closing down and then there was more, more at uh, the Welsh club. That's right. Then yeah. After, after that. But, um, yeah, those, man, such great years. So good. So you joined, uh, Public Disturbance, uh, was it 95, 96 year ish, something like that? Yeah. In in years, like okay. I still got it, but it's in my it's in it's back in in Ponty at my mum's house. So I got all my cassette tapes are back there. I never yeah when I moved when I moved over here, I never brought them over with me. And um, I hadn't heard that that first PD demo in years. And um, somebody on Instagram uh, started posting like all of these like UK. They, I'm sure you've seen it. The UKHC like Yes, and, I have, yeah. The guy, the, yeah, the guy who runs that posted up, Lash well, Out, the second PD demo. Nice. So I was like, man, I haven't fucking heard that in years. Like, yeah. Like, so, so I, hit, I hit him up. <laughs> I was like, man, do you have MP3s of, of that? Yeah. Or like, whatever. And he, so he sent over to me the, the first two PD demos on, on MP3. And I listened to those first, first two uh, demos recently. But my, my point is, is like I had the cover of it, and I noticed that it was like '95. We recorded that first. Oh, okay. Because I do remember the conversation. Like, it was in Metros when they were asking if you wanted to be in the band. I remember uh, there was a conversation being had in Metros, and then uh, I remember you turning about the next practice with like an orange guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was um, <laughs> in the um, oh, I can't remember the railway arches. Yeah, the arches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we used to, we used to practice there. Yeah. So it was around 95 because I think it was it was uh, must have been the end of 95 because I had just started university when we were like kind of doing our first our first gigs and yeah. then we played that first gig upstairs in the uh, four bars yes oh my god I've got that one yeah wow so what where else was, was, uh, it? It was go on sorry uh, it was PD and Flashbind but PD was called IDC at that point that's right uh, impaired damage crew something like that 
something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and, um, maybe we hadn't recorded, uh, the first demo by that point. I can't, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe Sean can remember a little bit better than me. I, I don't know. But yeah, I, um, it was, it was Flashpoint and IDC upstairs in the four bars was the first, was the first PD gig. I think the whole idea behind um, IDC was like everyone had a skate crew back then, wasn't it? Now, yeah. and then, I don't think any of PD skated, but except you, except maybe you, <laughs> or maybe Sean actually, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, it, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it was all about like I mean, Flashpoint had Flashpoint Industries and they and stuff like that, the FBI crew and all this. I think it was all about on a crew, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was. I remember we were called that, and then when we did the, that first. That first cover, uh, the first thing we ended up changing changing the name to to, to PD. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, what were you, what are your, some of your favourite um, memories when you think back to PD? Oh man, I think just <laughs> big ones to me were like a lot of those um, shows we would do down in London. Yeah. I mean, aside from like everything what we were just talking about about. The Cardiff scene and those shows in 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 Bogies, which were always just so, like I was saying, like just such a such a great time. But yeah, I remember, you know, at that point, uh, aside from kind of, you know, I think Flashbind had done a, a couple of a couple of shows in London at that point. Yeah, um, you know, and and Doug had as well, I think. But for, for me, the fact that we were going down to London and playing was like was I don't know it just it just seemed you know we were we were all like you know small town kids from Ponty yeah you know yeah I mean? even just in Cardiff you know like so us going down to London and then you know hooking up with the knuckle duff guys and and all of that and those shows at the Red Eye and um the Standard in Walthamstow yeah around that time man they were such such good times we had, like just all piling in a car and Breaking down on the M4 and like all of those <laughs> days, fucking classic. It felt like we were just sort of everyone was branching out and just sort of uh, realizing the world is actually, a, you know, our Cardiff thing actually goes a bit bigger. Yeah, I think so. And then it was like all you know, a bunch of other cities, you know, around mm-hmm. the country was was were kind of doing their own thing. You know, I remember, um, oh, I remember going down to Portsmouth. We were playing. You know, we we do. I remember playing a bunch of shows down there and some, there was, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, May, remember. Uh, May put a gig on that day, didn't she? Yeah, oh, Southampton and stuff. Southampton yeah, I was, yeah. Playing, playing joiners down there at yeah. one point and, you know, and then you had, you, you had uh, all the area effect guys, like, yeah, uh, they're from Manchester, you know, were Mark, Mark and that would all put on, put on shows up in Manchester yeah. and go up and play Star and Carter and, and, yeah, man, that, that was such 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 good days. I mean, I still speak to Mark now. You know, we we chat every now and again. We'll like text on Instagram or whatever. I bumped into him um, the last. I think it was the, the last time No Devotion were uh, were in um, UK. I, I I bumped into Mark. I was talking to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's good lad. Such a sound guy. Yeah, yeah I, went, I remember. Yeah, he was down in Cardiff a few years ago, and uh, went up. We were going to grab some food and stuff, and then whenever, even over the years, man, whenever, like, even when Lost Profits would play Manchester or something, you know, I'd always, he'd always come down and yeah. hang out, and you know, bring his, his his daughter to the show and like all of that, and it was always always good to good to see him. 
Yeah, man, cool. So, um, well, on the Prophets, they started in 97 with you on bass initially, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was a very yeah, mixed sound was... then, wasn't it, uh, back in those days? Oh, man, it was totally different. I mean, <laughs> we were kind of doing that whole, like, I mean, it was definitely very, like, rap metal, new metal kind of deal. Because um, I remember when, when Lost Prophets first started, it was um, <sighs> Graham, who was in Fleshwind, was playing bass for them. And he, he quit. Yes. He, he didn't want to do it anymore. So yeah. I was like, oh man, I'll, you know, I'll help out. I'll come down and play bass for a bit, you know, whatever. And then that ended up me joining the band playing bass. And then we met Stu, who was, you know, a hundred times better bass player than where I was. And then I switched over to playing guitar. But like, by the time we started kind of doing that, that was more around like we had transformed. That was more like 99. We had transformed more yeah. into like, But those early, um, those early demos. What would you think were the what sort of bands were the biggest influences that on that sound? You know? <clears throat> I think it was. I think it was like a lot of those like new metal bands at that point. I think um, me. You know what? It was like new metal bands, but also there was. I think that also that kind of crossover element as well. You know what I mean? Like you had bands around that time, like Vision of Disorder. Yeah. Um, I think VOD was probably like outside of like kind of anything kind of new metal esque yeah. around that time. I think VOD was probably one of the bigger influences on those like early Lost Prophets. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Record demos. Do you remember um, uh, Dynamo '97? Yeah. <laughs> VOD. See what they. Do you remember VOD at Dynamo '97? Yeah, like, and we were like, just about to make it, and you, I, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, you were pelting across the field, and you had these big skate trainers on it, and like, you never used to do the laces up, did you? And they were just hold, <laughs> and they were just holding you back, so I remember you yanking them off, throwing them around your shoulder, and legging it across the field to see VOD. <laughs> yeah, and we, I remember also, um, man, that Dynamo Festival was such a, such a blast. Yeah, man. Horns come because there was horns on that early sort of uh, some of those early demos, weren't there? I would say probably Dog Eat Dog. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was I thinking, yeah, I was thinking Dog Eat Dog, Boston's maybe. I remember yeah, somebody liking yeah, Boston's. You know, you know what though? Actually, I don't think I don't think there was horns on the early Lost Prophet stuff. The horns were on the, the late Flashpoint. Oh, do you know what? You're right. Yeah, they were. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was um, 
Flashpoint had uh, yeah, had right. their own player. Yeah, and yeah. I think yeah, I think that kind of was influenced from yeah, like Dog Eat Dog. I think that I think those last like last Flashpoint demos, like the very very last ones before they broke up. Yeah, I think were pretty like influenced by Dog Eat Dog. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd right. say that. Yeah, when they had, they had um, Andrea on backing vocals and they had a keyboard player, they had the horns. Yeah, there was, there was, what is it, like two rappers at that point? Yeah. Like, keyboard player. I think it was like, well, maybe, 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 you know what? I can't remember, man. I might be getting it mixed up. Maybe the first Lost Prophet stuff did have horns. I, honestly, That's I can't remember. I can't remember, yeah. yeah. All, all of that kind of blends into one a little bit. Like that, like late flashbang, early lost profits it kind of like the very like you know when one band ended and the new band began yeah yeah it was definitely like a like a little bit fluid in terms of like what was going on sure yeah yeah this is roger from agnostic front you're listening to mass movement presents okay so that was mike lewis from no devotion lost profits and public disturbance and you can hear part two of that interview on the next episode, so make sure you don't miss that. Excellent chat to him after I, well, I haven't spoken to him in a while. Yeah. So I've known him, oh, Christ, nearly 30 years now, so excellent to catch up with him. Well, I haven't spoken to him in God knows how long either. Uh, but he's always he's one of those guys who you always have fun with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he always totally. makes you smile. He's just he's just a nice guy. Yeah, and he's just like, he's the same as he was uh, back then, you know? Except really suntan, yes. Except suntan. California. He lives in Malibu. <laughs> Lucky bastard. Yeah. Okay, that brings us to the end of the show again. So, uh-huh. uh, time to do some shout outs first of all. Actually, but before we do that, I want to talk about our Patreon page. Tell it's, them all about it. So, you know, we got a Patreon page. This podcast, we want to sort of reach out to you guys um, who are listening. Um, if there's something, you know, have a look at the Patreon page. We want to get you to get involved. There's packages available, uh, different things we can offer you, you can offer us. And it helps us, and it helps us a little bit to bring this prog- podcast to you. So, yeah, let's, let's get involved, guys. Get on the Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash mass movement. Get involved with us, and uh, we promise you some lovely... Handjobs. <laughs> in return. <laughs> Reach around, handjobs. <laughs> That's Tim offering those. No. <laughs> They're all well, in the page, mate. You I'm promise. Not, I'm not really good at it, man. I bought myself. So, <laughs> I bought uh, myself. Honestly, you know, I'm just like, oh my God, really? You again? <laughs> I'll take handjobs off the page, and. <laughs> Well, you leave it on there. It's just I'm, you know, not responsible for any other <laughs> or disappointment. Yeah, but get get involved. We promise you sort of uh, some exclusive stuff to do with the podcast and some goodies from Engineer Records. So yeah, go to go to that page. Have a look. Hi, this is James from Widows, and you're listening to the Mass Movement Podcast. You lucky devils. Which we shout outs to uh, Mike. Mike Lewis deserves one. Yep, Paul from Sheer Terror. Paul from Sheer Terror. Paul is awesome, man. He's <laughs> a lovely guy. Go and buy the. In records for the love of God, just by sheer terror's records. Yeah, change your life. Yeah, Heath uh, from Divinity in Exile, uh, loving that uh, seven inch, and he's just an awesome guy. And yeah, he's an awesome yeah. guy. Again, God, I met him around '94. You must have been about the same. Oh, no, probably Before, good. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Uh, but you know. Jesus. Yeah, okay. David Gamage, an engineer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiny Rebel for the love of God sponsored this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's about it. Oh, before I just want to mention it in case you haven't mentioned it before. Bang on Brewery do an amazing stout called BF, uh, BFG drink it it's one of the greatest stouts you'll ever drink Black Forest Gatto stout and it tastes like Black Forest Gatto no it way just, that cherry taste comes through all the time yeah yeah oh my goodness 
and you know Neil's a lovely guy so please if you want to order any beer get on uh, Bang On Brewery on Facebook page and you can order the or their BFG stunts. It's amazing. BFG stunt. I'm all, it all is over that. Really, really, really good. Okay, and we leave it there this week. We shall indeed. Okay, until next time. Take Ta- care. Ta-ta. Bye bye. Movement presents. Movement presents.